I'm loving this. Yes, yes, yes. Welcome to this special edition of Morgan the Asked For Podcast. This episode, and he's going to have a couple more throughout the winter, is my brother Sean Morgan and his friend Aaron Morrow, and they are just going to discuss the wrestling season. Wrestling is not my favorite thing. It is not something that I have a lot of knowledge on. My brother has season tickets both to Iowa and Iowa State and has for many years, and his, his friend Aaron his brother coaches at Southeast Polk, and he's a very uh, knowledgeable and has a great insight into the high school realm with his brother coaching. And then he goes to the wrestling meets with my brother uh, at Iowa. So both very knowledgeable and very interested in the wrestling topic. If you do have listened to this for over uh, you know a long period of time, my brother did do uh, one or two of these last winter. Uh, with me, essentially him just doing it. But again, I want to thank my brother, Sean, and his friend, Aaron, for doing this. And make sure you rate, like, subscribe if you like this new content. And we'll try to do more stuff like this. All right. Welcome to Morgan, You Asked For podcast, hosted not by Ryan Morgan, but by his little brother, Sean Morgan. Uh, Ryan asked me to do something a little different uh, for the podcast, and uh, we dabbled in this last year, uh, and we're going to cover some wrestling. We're going to cover it at the high school level uh, a little bit, more so at the college level. I brought along with me my longtime friend, Aaron Morrow, one-time state qualifier for Sheraton, Iowa, and obviously a longtime Iowa Hawkeyes fan, along with myself. So welcome to the podcast, Aaron. Why don't you tell us a little about yourself? Well, good afternoon, Sean. Uh, as you mentioned, I grew up in Iowa. I wrestled for Sheraton High School. I went on to the University of Iowa, where I followed the Hawkeyes during Jim Zaleski's time. Uh, I live in the Quad Cities, married with two little girls. My oldest uh, started wrestling last year. I think we've gotten seven matches under her belt. Uh, always been a huge wrestling fan, uh, following the college landscape very closely. And my brother is a coach at Southeast Polk. And so through that, I've gotten sucked back into the high school landscape, especially at the 3A level. Right. And uh, we've had season tickets since 2008 to the Hawkeyes. Is that correct? Maybe 2007? That sounds right. We're in that 15-year time frame. Yeah. Um, was Brand's first year, 2008? I think I it think was. So. so I think that's the year we got season tickets with the hype of him coming back and uh, Gable came on, his staff as well. It was hard not to not to sign up for those season tickets, especially because I was uh, staff at the university. We got some really good deals uh, on those season tickets. And uh, even though you live in the Quad Cities and now I live in Des Moines, we still make the trek over to Iowa City eight or nine times a year 
to watch the Hawkeyes. So we'll just jump right into this. Uh, we're going to start with the Iowa high school wrestling landscape. Um, tell us what you got, Aaron. So there's a lot of big changes in high school wrestling this year. Um, I think the biggest one, uh, and the one that hit closest to home for me, is that the high school girls season is officially sanctioned. They, at, they announced that at the finals during last year's uh, tournament that was held in Coralville. It's a full official season. The girls are up and practicing. They started a week before the boys and their state tournament is gonna to be held in Coralville at the Extreme Arena again. Uh, this year it's being held on Thursday, February 2nd and Friday, uh, February 3rd. Uh, I've already got my hotel rooms booked so I can take my daughters over to watch the finals on Friday night. Um, and hopefully we'll get to see uh, a bunch of champs crowned and the girls will get excited and just fuel their careers. On top of that, they made a couple big changes to the boys' side as well. So state team duels used to be held on the Wednesday before the traditional tournament. They've moved that off that weekend, and now it's being held on Saturday, February 4th in Coralville. So they're going to have the girls' tournament on Thursday, Friday, and then the boys' state duel tournament will be on Saturday. Um, <clears throat> in addition to that, since that opened up a date in the calendar, they expanded the number of qualifiers per weight. So now instead of 16 guys qualifying for the individual state tournament, there will be 24. At the 3A level, that means the top three place winners at each district will advance to the state tournament. Um, 3A, as I mentioned earlier, is the one level that I'm following most closely because of my brother's connections at Southeast Polk. Uh, it seems like we're gonna have a very interesting race for trophies at the 3A level. Waverly Shell Rock returned, I think, seven uh, state qualifiers from last year's team. Southeast Polk won it last year in a come-from-behind fashion. They outlasted Waverly and Waukee Northwest to win their 10th title. Uh, but Waverly is starting as the front runner this year. And then there's a big group of schools right behind them in IA Wrestle's ranking. So Waverly starts the year with 11 out of 14 guys ranked in the top 14. And then the next group all have between five and seven guys ranked. So Southeast Polk comes in at two with seven guys, City High at three with six, Linmar at four with six, Johnston at five with seven, Ankeny at six with seven, and Waukee Northwest at seven with five. And so that's a lot of teams fighting for three trophies. Uh, and I think as the season goes along, freshmen will get into the lineup. The new weights will be established uh, on each squad. And those rankings are going to change and, and grow. Um, but it's an interesting race to look at to start the year where you've got that many teams that are projected to be, you know, within a handful of points of each other. Uh, bonus points at the state tournament are going to be really, really important. Yeah, uh, from my point of view, the outside looking in, not being a high school wrestling fan, but being a wrestling fan in general, is I was moving things in the right direction. Uh, first of all, by sanctioning girls wrestling. Um, that's, you know, probably three or four years past due uh, from my point of view, but I'm glad it got done this year. Expanding the weight up to 24 uh, is, again, another move in the right direction. If you're going to grow the sport, you're going to keep it moving forward. 
And then, like you said, bonus points are going to come into play at the state tournament. And as a fan, that just makes it exciting, right? Um, that's what makes the national tournament at the collegiate level exciting and interesting um, because it comes down to bonus points every single year. Uh, the, that 3%, 4% separation um, all the way into the final night of, of the tournament is what, what makes it interesting, what makes it uh, enjoyable as a fan. So yeah, anything else about high school wrestling we want to touch on before we move into college? I think that's the highlights. I know high school official uh, events start this week. So um, if you're looking for something to do, check your local high school, see if there's a dual uh, or a tournament this week that you can go help support that level. Yeah, I didn't mention this at the beginning, but uh, well, I kind of alluded to it. We're gonna do probably three podcasts uh, over the course of the season. Uh, obviously this one opening it up with high school and college uh and then we'll probably do one uh late january uh maybe february uh when it gets close to the uh, iowa high school state tournament and then we'll do another one in march uh as the seasons wind down all right moving on to college uh we're just going to jump right into a big topic that a lot of college fans have been talking about we've got spencer lee and yanni from cornell uh, going for four national titles. Uh, obviously, it's a little bit different because uh, of the COVID years and, and how many years they've been wrestling. Spencer's been hurt. Yanni was hurt. So they've maybe got uh, a little extra time to achieve their four national titles, but it's still going to be just as magical and just as exciting to watch them both pursue that. From my point of view, I think... The only thing that holds Spencer Lee back from his pursuit is his, his body and his health. Because at 125, that weight class, uh, you can't even say he's head and shoulders above everyone else. Uh, he's, he's something else. And that weight class is not strong. And I don't know if it's because he's cleared it out and no one wants to come down because they know he's there or, or what it is. But the only thing that's going to stop Spencer Lee from getting four is Spencer Lee. Yes, and I think we're going to see him on a pitch count throughout the year. He's going to show up for the big matches. He's going to get just enough matches in that he'll earn an auto-qualifying spot for the Big Ten, uh, and then we'll see him come out for the NCAA tournament and uh, really let, let the fur fly. Um, I'm assuming we'll see him in a brace all of the year, um, but he did surprise us a couple years ago where he showed up for the postseason without that brace. Um, so we may see that happen again this year. I don't know that we've ever seen two guys get four titles in the same year. Not so that, that I'm aware itself, totally historic. Um, I know we were both in the building when Kyle Dake won his fourth in Des Moines. Uh, I don't know if we'll be in the building this year, but I know I will be glued to the television set. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it doesn't look like we're going to be at the national tournament this year, just the way schedules work out. But um, so here's a question about Spencer Lee and Yanni. Uh, obviously, Yanni's going for four. He's going to have a much tougher path. Not that his skills are any different or he's not just as phenomenal of a wrestler, but 149 is a buzzsaw. Uh, and Yanni's already taken a lot this, loss this year uh, to the infamous Austin Gomez, used to wrestle for Iowa State, has since moved on up to Wisconsin. And it wasn't like it was a fluke loss. Gomez didn't dominate Yanni, did not dominate Yanni, but he controlled Yanni and wrestled 
Austin Gomez's match and, and took him down. I think the final score was nine to six. Or was it nine to three? Well, and he remember. controlled he controlled that match from the beginning to the end. Yanni was <clears throat> in a hole early and never even looked like he had a shot of battling back um, just the way Austin controlled that whole match. I agree. I agree. I saw clips of it on, on YouTube and uh, Gomez uh, had a great day, had a great game plan. Uh, it's what Gomez's game plan is every time. Just go hard, upper body, lower body, in and out the whole time. And, and Yanni didn't, didn't quite have an answer for it. I think that match goes different uh, come March. Uh, but uh, it doesn't change the tech. So with Spencer and Yanni both going for four, Yanni coming in with at least one loss, where does the Hodge Trophy conversation come in for these two? If they both get four, do we have co-Hodge Trophy winners again? I don't, I don't think we see a co-Hodge. Um, I think the last time there was such a fervor over them giving out two Hodges, uh, I think this year it will be one or none. Um, for these two and with Yanni taking a loss if they both get four um, I think Spencer probably gets the Hodge though I could see somebody like Keegan O'Toole ending up with the Hodge because he'll wrestle a whole lot more matches than Spencer he could go undefeated and he could end up winning what's probably shaping up to be the toughest bracket at the NCAA tournament uh, since there are three returning champions at that weight alone Right. Yeah. One, you talk about 149 being a buzzsaw. 165 is on another level. Yeah. So, you've got David um, Carr who bumped up uh, from 157 and he's a returning national champ. You've got Keegan O'Toole, who's the reigning national champ. And you've got Shane Griffith who won a title uh, a couple years ago. And so those three guys are the top three at that weight. Uh, and it's anybody's guess how that pecking order is going to shake out. Right. So here's one more question about Spencer Lee, and then we'll, we'll move on. He is going to be on a pitch count. I agree with you. Um, when Iowa goes out to Penn State, would you see him bumping up to 133? One, to take on RBY, just because he's Spencer Lee and he wants to make a statement. And number two, to increase Iowa's chances of taking that duel. I don't think so. Um, I think the risk reward there is probably too high in the risk category. One, Spencer would be given up a fair amount of weight. It sounds like RBY uh, has a pretty decent pull down to 133. So by the time they're wrestling, um, Spencer's probably given up a good chunk of weight. And with his surgically repaired knee, I'm not sure that you want to take that risk. On top of that, We've seen so far what Iowa has behind Spencer at 125 pounds, and needless to say, it's not uh, been awe-inspiring. And so even if you're picking up a win from Spencer at 133, uh, I'm not sure that you pick up enough of a win to counteract what you're giving up at 125. I would agree. Uh, before the season uh, started, I would have considered it more, but after seeing uh, uh, Aiden... I can't remember his last name now, even uh, who's ever Aiden filling Harris. in there. Aiden Harris. Thank you. Uh, I think he's taken bonus point losses every single match, which is just hard to believe. But then you think about it. He's at least the number three guy in that room at 125 because you've got Dryala who's redshirting this year and recovering from a shoulder injury. Um, so it's a, a couple, 
couple rungs down. Uh, but it is what it is. And so here we go. Uh, talked about RBY for just a moment. That brings Penn State into this conversation. They're the favorite uh, in all the rankings to take the national title again. I can't see a path where Iowa takes down Penn State to uh, knock them off their pedestal, but you know, March short, is a long short of away. a major injury. I right. agree. And unfortunately, injuries always tend to fall towards Iowa and not Penn State uh, in the last five or six years. So I have Penn State coming out on top, Iowa coming in second. And then after that, ooh, it gets real interesting. What are your thoughts? Well, after that, you've got a group of uh, five teams that are all right next to each other, Arizona State, Michigan, Ohio State, Cornell, and Missouri. And those are all teams that have a couple high uh, point scores that should finish very high on the podium, if not as champions or in the finals. And then you have a group of really solid wrestlers that if things break right or they improve over the season, could end up as All-Americans or could score a fair number of points on the backside. How many times have we seen somebody lose in the first round, but pick up a couple pins on the backside on their way to the round of 16 or the blood round? They don't make the podium, but those five or six points that they score end up uh, making a big difference in the team race. I would agree. Um, right now, if I was to pick my top four teams, which is the four trophies, I'm going to go Penn State number one, Iowa number two. And I'm going to go with Ohio State number three and Missouri number four. Uh, wow. The reason I'm going with that is because so Missouri is kind of my dark horse. Missouri is annually just a terrible performer at the, at the national tournament. They come in with a nice ranking and then they seem to take a couple bad losses and can't put anything together. Uh, but I think they've had enough of that buzz in their ear for the last couple of years that they're going to change things around. And they've obviously they've got Keegan O'Toole, returning national champ. You got Rocky Elam, who's going to be really good as well. And so I think that those two are going to finish high and they're going to have enough uh, performance out of the rest of their team that they'll come in and snag a trophy uh, come Saturday night. So I agree with you on the Ohio State front, but my fourth is Cornell. Um, I think they're kind of the opposite of Missouri. I think every year we see them overperform a little bit at the NCAA tournament. Um, it helps that they wrestle in the EIWA. So through the course of the season, they're not seeing as many really tough matchups week in and week out. Uh, it makes it easier to peak for that end of year uh, tournament. And I think we see Yanni get his fourth. And I think we see Cornell sneak in there with a the team trophy. I could see that scenario. So, all right, so we'll, we'll put those on the board that uh, we're, we're agreeing on one, two, and three, but you've got Cornell coming in fourth and I've got Missouri coming in fourth and we'll probably both up, end up being wrong and Michigan will come and take that fourth place trophy. I like it. All right, let's move on to uh, Iowa as a team and some of the topics that are there, they're gonna, that's gonna go on this year. Uh, obviously they've got Spencer Lee at 125. I think we've kind of, talked about him already where he's at where he's going double acl uh repair last was it december he did that so yeah we'll see we've seen him uh we've been to a couple meets already uh we've seen him on the bench 
He looks healthy on his social media platforms. He's put up some amazing workouts he's doing. Uh, so we'll, we'll see what he has. And I, I think, I think we'll see him this weekend, which we'll talk about here in a little bit. Uh, I agree. We'll move on I to, think, I think we see him this weekend. Uh, we'll just move on to 133. It's kind of a, it's a contested weight uh, after three years of uh, being, being held down by Austin DeSanto. Uh, this year they've got Shriver and Teske. Uh, most people will be familiar with Teske. He's homegrown up there in Fort Dodge. Uh, but Shriver has been, or I'm sorry, Shriver has been performing really well this year and, and looks to be getting the nod from Tom Brands right now. Well, and Schriever had an interesting year last year. He pulled his red shirt, wrestled just a couple matches in reserve for Austin DeSanto. Uh, and so he's got a red shirt available if they wanted to give it to him. Um, but he's wrestled a match attached already this year too. So he burned it again this year. If he doesn't earn that spot, uh, he might go two years with just a handful of matches on his record. Um, he's also a uh, homegrown Iowa guy. Uh, he's just a little bit younger than Teske, who's on his third uh, roster at Division One, having started at Penn State and then transferring to UNI and now here to Iowa. Um, I think ultimately Teske's probably going to grab that uh, spot. He was a national qualifier last year. He's a little bit older, a little bit more seasoned, um, and I think he just might have that slight edge, though I don't know which one we're going to see on, on Sunday. So Shriver, I don't, I don't, I can't remember the numbers exactly, but he has scored an ungodly amount of points this year in every match he, he's wrestled. So that's where he did take a loss uh, this past Saturday when they wrestled ten. So yes. I don't know. It'll be, it'll be interesting to see how it all shakes out. I don't remember. Have, did they wrestle off Tessie and, Sh and Shriver? Um, I don't know that we saw official results on a wrestle off, but I think I saw comments. Uh, that had Teske winning an in-room wrestle-off. Okay. Um, and then this year, you know, typically Iowa has a history of sending people over to Northwestern uh, uh, for wrestle-off there late January, or, you know, a tournament-style wrestle-off when they have contested weights, but that, that uh, tournament is gone now, and they're going to be wrestling. Where are they wrestling this year on New Year's Day? Right there in Iowa City? What's yep, they're in Coralville at the Extreme Arena for the Soldier Salute. Soldier uh, Salute, yeah. This is the tournament that the brands tried to put together last year when Midlands fell through, um, and they couldn't make it happen last year, but they focused on this year, and they've got it all together. There's going to be uh, women's brackets, so a lot of the women that are on the new Iowa women's team should be there competing unattached, uh, mm -hmm. plus the Iowa men. So I'm, I'm sure we will see both Shriver and Teske in the 133 pound bracket there. Right. And the Midlands are, are they completely gone? Cause it's like the mat they had, they canceled them last year under the guise of COVID still. And then there was somebody who put together a, a tournament called Matman or mad Matman, something like that. Uh, the Matt Men Midlands open, are yeah. yeah. Midlands are completely gone. Correct. I I thought they were still having Midlands this year, that they okay. decided that they were going to resurrect it. But I think they lost. Um, I'm just pulling up their website now. They're saying 58th annual, December 29th and 30th. 
Um, and so I'm sure they lost some of their participants to uh, this Iowa tournament that got put together. Um, and they've got the Southern scuffle competing against them too in that same kind of time frame. Yeah. I mean, the Midlands, as big as they were in the 90s and early 2000s, it had been waning a bit because of the Southern scuffle. Um, but we'll wait and see. Uh, it'll be an interesting battle, you know, and you, you never know what's going on in that room behind closed doors. Uh, you never know who's maybe slightly nursing a small injury. Maybe that's what's going on with Teske these first few matches and why Schriever's been getting the nod uh, a little bit more. Uh, it'll be fun to see. Either way, I, I think uh, Iowa qualifies at 133 and scores points at 133. Uh, I don't care which one's in there. Uh, yeah. we'll score, Iowa will score points there, which is what, what has to happen. I think both of them are, are well within that round of 16. And with the right draw, right day, could easily um, make it past the blood round and sneak into that uh, low AA area. Uh, but they're probably round of 12, round of 16, guys. I would agree. All right, 141, Iowa brought in, uh, Iowa went to the transfer portal this, this year and brought in Real Woods. Uh, we haven't seen him in an Iowa singlet yet because in the infamous words of Tom Brand, he's day to day. Uh, he's chomping at the bit to get on the map. But uh, what's your take there? He's preseason ranked number, well, he was ranked number one. I think he's dropped to number two now in some polls just because he hasn't wrestled yet. But where do you see Real Woods Assuming he can get healthy, assuming it is just a minor injury, he's full strength uh, for the, the main part of the season come January, February, March. Where do you see him so landing? The 141-pound bracket is one that had a lot of seniors that cleared out and graduated after last year. Um, Cole Matthews was the highest returning All-American. I think he took fifth last year. Uh, and Real Woods took sixth. And they moved up to one and two in the rankings to start the year because everybody in front of them and around them graduated. Uh, I think Real Woods has the talent to be a finalist. Uh, and if you're in the finals, you definitely have a shot at that title. Um, if he's healthy and right, getting in that Iowa room and adopting that Iowa mindset and that m Iowa culture, uh, I'm, I'm quite hopeful that we can see him bring, bring home 15 to 20 team points come March. I would agree. Uh, it just always makes me very nervous. Uh, when the words like day to day and they're not fully disclosing what his injury is and those mind games that all the head coaches play and it doesn't matter if it's wrestling or football or wherever uh, when those mind games start to be played it, it messes with my mind and I'm like well what's really wrong uh, is this something that he's gonna that he has to get just good enough to get back on the mat and he's gonna be 85 percent the whole year or is this really just a case of uh, you know he, you know, tweaked an elbow or, you know, whatever, uh, that's going to be just hundred percent come when it's, when it's time to wrestle. Uh, 149 for the Hawkeyes is, uh, the new grandpa of the, of the roster, Mad Max Murin and his pet snake, Miss Hiss. Um, Max has been to the tournament three times, right? And gone three times over three on all American all-American credentials because he's lost in the blood round three times, which has been heartbreaking. Absolutely heartbreaking. Uh, Max has been somebody that's really embraced social media, had a lot of fun um, with his teammates. Uh, you know, we only see him from afar, but he seems like a really great teammate, a great leader. Uh, and it just, 
uh, breaks your heart to see somebody get that close to a major life goal and not get over the hump. Um, so if I had uh, one wish for the season, um, it would be for Iowa to win the national title. But if I had a second uh, wish after that, it would be for Max to finally get over the hump and get that AA to his resume. I would agree because he's also dealt with some horrific injuries as well. Uh, I think it was his true freshman year. Maybe it was his redshirt freshman year. He broke several bones around his eye uh, that uh, was obviously pretty catastrophic. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I agree. He's fun to watch from afar and his social media. And uh, he, they did a, a Big Ten network that a, a little bit of a special on him, or he was the main part of a special where kind of opened up his life a little bit. And, so I, I agree. Uh, Mad Max to get an All-American uh, would be just a real satisfying feeling for, uh, for fans on the back end of the season. Moving up to 57, again, another weight that had been held down by who we affectionately call Caleb Brand. Um, but uh, so this year we've got someone new in here, uh, Kobe Siebrecht. Yes, so Kobe's another Iowa boy. Uh, he grew up in Lisbon, Iowa. He's a senior and uh, he has really stepped up to the plate now that it's his turn to shine. He's 4-0 uh, with four bonus point wins so far. The most exciting this past Sunday against Penn uh, when he got thrown with a headlock and rolled Penn through to pin his guy and end the duel. Um, he's a long, lanky guy who's pretty good with the funk and uh, he's been exciting to watch so far this year. Yeah, uh, I agree. Um, as frustrating as Caleb was to watch uh, his last couple of seasons, just because, oh, I'm sure there's a lot of reasons. One, his age, two, that weight cut down to 157 for him was absolutely huge. Uh, it's, uh, you always get nervous when someone new comes in, but so far, so good. Kind of like at 133, both Schreiber and Teske have showed some real good potential. And I think Kobe Siebrecht is along those same paths. Moving up to 165, uh, this is someone we've been waiting to see who uh, fell behind the bull, uh, Patrick Kennedy. Um, watched him wrestle a couple times already, like I mentioned earlier. You, you can tell that he's been wrestling the bull for two years and some of the tendencies and some of the positions he holds and the way he defends that uh, they're, they're, we, we've got another good one here at 165. And, uh, obviously, 165 is just a buzzsaw of a weight class. We talked about that a few minutes ago. So I don't think he contends for a national title this year. Uh, All-American, yes. But he's just a, this is his first year wrestling. So he's got four years ahead of him. And uh, I think we've got a national champion contender here. Give it, a, give it a couple years. Yeah, and I think we get the first big measuring stick this Sunday when he wrestles David Carr. Um, I just uh, was looking at Cody Goodwin's wrestling mailbag article, and he noted that uh, PK is averaging 20 points per match uh, so far in his short career as the Iowa starter. So that's the kind of action as Iowa fans we like to see somebody that's uh, constantly pushing the pace, pressing things forward and getting those takedowns. Um, I don't think he clips car this weekend, but uh, it'll be fun to see those two match up against each other. I agree. Uh, 174, we have Nelson Brands wrestling for Iowa this year. 
it'll be fun to see him at his true weight. We've seen him the last two seasons bounce around. He wrestled, uh, he's wrestled 184. He's wrestled 174 to fill in um, a little bit. He wrestled all the way up at 197 for one match. Uh, what was that, two years ago he did that? Um, yeah. And then at the tail end of last year, um, he ended up having Tommy John surgery. So his season got cut short. But uh, where do you think he lands in the 174 landscape? I think he's kind of in that same range that we were talking earlier about uh, with Shriver and Teske, where he's for sure a top 16, um, probably a round of 12. And if things break right uh, with him being at his natural weight, if he ended up in that six to eight range, I wouldn't be surprised at all. And, and he's another one where his health is going to matter. He was in a moped accident, maybe a car accident or something, and broke his collarbone uh, late or early this fall. And so he's building himself back from that. He did wrestle this weekend against Penn, got a nice win over a ranked opponent. Um, and I think the comment was made, and I, speaking of Cody Goodwin, I think this came up of his social media that this was his first full match live since last December when he had Tommy John surgery and it was only his third time going full, full steam ahead on the mat, um, a full live wrestling match. And the first two times it wasn't a full match. So, uh, and uh, he looked pretty good knowing those things. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we were talking to our other friend. I was talking to our other friend, Kristen, who goes to the duels with us and we said he looked good, but you could see there was just something missing. And, uh, that something missing was just, purely mat time and, uh, and probably a little conditioning. Yep. All right, moving up to 184, Abe Asad, uh, who uh, Nelson Brand battled with last year for that spot um, before he got hurt. Abe Asad came into the program as a very high recruit, and a lot of people were very excited about him. And if I'm being real honest, I think he's fallen short of expectations so far. Do you think he can break through this year and, and – uh, fulfill what was kind of put on his shoulders before he stepped on campus. I, I think he can. And I think you're right. I think he came in with some really high expectations and he started off really hot. And I think that helped fuel those expectations. Um, but I think if he stays healthy and focused, uh, he's got the skill set and the pedigree uh, to be on that podium come Saturday at NCAAs. Yeah, I would agree. I think it's in between his ears because you see flashes of some real dominance and some real high level wrestling out of him. Um, and then he'll come back the following Saturday or Sunday and you just, you almost don't recognize him. You sometimes we've, we've talked about this. Does he have a weight cut issue? Because sometimes there's two different wrestlers that run out there, but I mean, I know he could never obviously get down to 174, but, and I know about 197 there's Warner. So, uh, and he's been a one, Abe Asad has been 184 since he came to school. Um, so I, I just truly believe the majority of his shortcomings, and I use that word very lightly, he's still a very skilled wrestler, is going to score points at the national tournament. But I think where maybe he's not fulfilling his full potential is between his ears. I think, I think your analysis is spot on. All right, moving up to 197, uh, the ladies' man. Jacob Warner surprised everybody last year by wrestling on Saturday night for an NCAA title, keeping Iowa's uh, streak alive somehow, some way. Um, he's already taken a loss this year at the All-Star Classic. Um, 
to he took a loss to Rocky Elam uh, out of Missouri. We mentioned his name earlier. Uh, but what's your take? Can uh, Jacob Warner come back to Saturday night, or is he gonna just be a high AA this year? So I think I think his floor is AA. Um, he is so technically and fundamentally sound. His defense is amazing. On top, he is just a hammer. Um, I don't know how many times we've seen him just ride a guy out, Matt return, Matt return, uh, out of bounds, Matt return. Um, he'll load up a tilt from time to time. And I think all of those things work in his favor. Uh, the biggest thing working against him, he's in a lot of close matches. And if you consider a close match, uh, a coin flip, how many times in a row can you call heads or tails and get it right? Um, it's not as simple as that, but when you get into a tournament like the NCAA tournament, one coin flip goes against you and you're on the backside and it's that much harder, uh, to make it. Um, I think he's soundly in the tier, the second tier of guys at that weight. And I think that means that he's got a shot to, uh, be wrestling on Saturday night again. Perfect. All right. We're going to have one last weight class for Iowa here real quick. And then we're going to take a break, uh, at heavyweight. Uh, Tony Cassiope, uh, you know, the last couple of years, he's had uh, Gable to contend with from Minnesota. Gable is gone, but obviously Mason Paris is back from Michigan. Uh, you've got Kirk Fleet from Penn State, who's, uh, who beat him at the All-Star Classic now this year, uh, just a couple of weeks ago. Can, uh, as we affectionately call him, Big Daddy Cass, uh, is he going to wrestle on Saturday night or where do you think he lands? So I think all of this is going to come down to seeding your top four heavyweights with Mason Paris, Colton Schultz, and uh, Kirk Fleet plus BDC. How they fall in that bracket is going to determine who wrestles on Saturday night. Um, we've seen Mason Paris have Cassiope's number every time they've wrestled. And as you mentioned, Kirk Fleet got over the hump against Cassiope this year. I'm not saying that Schultz is our best matchup, but in my head, if Cassiope is the four seed, Schultz is the one, they see each other on semifinals. I think that is probably our best path to wrestling for a title on Saturday night. Let Kirk Fleet and Mason Paris battle it out on the bottom half and uh, you know see what happens come Saturday night. I would love to see him in the finals uh, and get a shot against one of those two again. I agree. Okay, we're going to take a – that finishes up the Iowa lineup. We're going to take a break here, and we'll come back, and we're going to talk about the upcoming duel this Saturday. Oh. All right, we're, we're back. We wrapped up uh, Iowa's lineup uh, weight by weight. Uh, we're going to talk about Iowa State a little bit now and where Coach Kevin Dresser has them and what uh, where they're going to land for the season. Uh. They've got two exciting new wrestlers uh, on their roster this year. Or not new. I mean, you know, Swiderski's new. Uh, so we'll start with them. We've got uh, Casey Swiderski, who's out of Michigan, correctly, correct? Yes. Coming from, uh, and he's uh, he came in as a big recruit, and so far this year he's uh, making a bit of a splash. What are your thoughts on on Swiderski? I think he is another one of those true freshmen that we've seen that have shown up at the college level and they're ready to compete, not just to qualify for the national 
tournament, but to be an All-American. If uh, Swarbisky does not make the blood round, I would be shocked. Uh, and if I had to uh, make a call right now, I would say he's going to finish in that four to four to seven range uh, in the All-Americans. Right. And he's wrestling 141 this year for Iowa State out of Michigan. Two older brothers, I think, uh, is what I read about him earlier this year. And uh, you're right. Uh, uh, you know, Gable was famous for pulling one red shirt, right? Lincoln McElravey and how many years he, he coached. And uh, Tom Brands is obviously a direct descendant of, of Gable. And he very, very rarely pulls, wrestles true freshmen, right? I think they were up to two, maybe three now before this year, because there's new redshirt rules. Um, they just don't do it. But these, these 18 year olds are coming in ready uh, to wrestle at the national level because of clubs, uh, you know, and because you don't just travel around your state and go to a few tournaments. Now you travel everywhere, you know, up to Fargo, if you're uh, awesome, you know, there's Tulsa before Fargo and then, you know, other, other tournaments, uh, at the high school level, such as the Cheesehead up in Wisconsin, which I know Southeast Pope goes to. So they don't need that year of adjustment uh, to bring their wrestling skills up to a national tournament skilled wrestler. And I agree with you. Swiderski is, uh, you know, high level wrestler already. He's 18 years old and he's going to wrestle right with those 22 and 23 year olds. So that's exciting and good for Kevin Dresser. Uh, it was a recruiting win for him, uh, probably more of a recruiting win for Brent Metcalf, if you want my honest opinion. He's the one out there recruiting for Iowa State. And uh, let's hope that uh, he pans out for them over the next four to five years. I know I've that's caught the fever for Swiderski from uh, stalemates. Zach has been championing him since uh, he committed and he seems to be dead on and the conductor of that train. And uh, so it's kind of fun uh, to see a, a true fan like Zach uh, get so excited about a prospect and then see them uh, turn out as well. Yeah. Uh, the other one we want to talk at uh, talk about is at 149, Panero Johnson. Uh, wasn't talked about as much as Swiderski, at least from my point of view. I haven't heard about him as much, but he made headlines two weeks ago when he took down Austin Gomez, who then took down Yanni. So uh, talk about that a little bit. Yeah, so Panero, um, by all accounts, it sounds like they were having what seemed like conditioning problems with him. He was getting really worn down at the end of matches and just kind of fading. Uh, they did some blood work and they found out that he has sickle cell anemia. And the coaching staff started working with him on his diet and some supplements. And through that, they've gotten that under control and suddenly his conditioning uh, went away. And now because he can wrestle a full seven minutes, um, the skills that he had aren't being undermined by a condition that he didn't know he had and didn't know how to control. Um, it's interesting to hear stories like that where you know one, one little change um, can unlock such potential in an individual. Uh, and that human interest story that comes along with it, I think, is going to really help drive his narrative um, as we follow him this season. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and then, of course, the, the biggest name on Iowa State's roster, uh, national champion two years ago at 157, David Carr. 
Uh, his dad obviously wrestled uh, at Iowa State, so he's a legacy. And he, even though he fell short last year, um, didn't win a national title, which he was expected to, to repeat, uh, still just, you know, an elite, elite wrestler in that conversation, uh, pound for pound, best wrestler, not at the top of it, but, you know, you know, he's in that conversation. So he's bumped up this year from 157 to 165. That is not unexpected because, you know, he's got aspirations beyond uh, collegiate wrestling. And he's probably looking, would you think, probably at that 74 kilogram weight? I fight? think I think 74 kilograms is dead in his sights. This move so, up to 165 is helping his body grow into that. Uh, and I think 57 was a pretty hard pull for him. Right. And you could you could see that at the national tournament last year. And you saw glimpses of it last year during the season. Uh, wrestlers that he would normally go out there and tech fall in the first period. Uh, you know, he was just sneaking out of a major decision and people he should be major decisioning, decisioning. He was decisioning. Uh, so you, you got a glimpse of it early or, or throughout the season. And then it came to fruition at uh, the national tournament uh, that he, that weight, that weight pull was probably a little much for him. So I, I'm glad he's up at 65, even though, He's in shark infested waters up there. He's, I wouldn't, he's in the discussion to take home that national title at 165. And uh, I don't think anyone else, I mean, Keegan O'Toole obviously is returning there, but if you tell me Carr takes it down, I'm not surprised at all. And I'm not betting against him. I cannot wait to see David and Keegan uh, tussle this year. Um, I think those two are going to put on one heck of a show. Um, and hopefully we get to see that on Saturday night. Yeah, that would be uh, the best for all the fans and the best, to, again, when uh, college wrestling is the primetime show on Saturday night on ESPN, you watch your best show out there and uh, David Carr and Keegan O'Toole from Missouri, uh, that's going to be a good show to watch. So a couple other people off the off the roster. Uh, we'll start with uh, Marcus Coleman, who wrestles at 184. For them uh he's an Ames Iowa homegrown true homegrown talent uh they were this was a guy that they recruited uh very very early on in the dresser era I, I believe he came in the very first year that dresser was there maybe the year after and everyone's talked every single year you, you know watch out for him watch out for him uh he got injured his junior year last year he wrestled well but was also fighting off some nagging injuries and this year he looks to be healthy He's just been dominating so far. So I'm excited to watch him reach his full potential this year at 184. Definitely got an All-American out of him. If he's at his full potential, how high can he rise? Well, I think, I think that, uh, you know, top four for him is that ceiling. I think, I don't know that we'll see him on uh, Saturday night with Aaron Brooks and Parker Kekaisen at that weight. Um, but if you told me that Coleman was wrestling for third on Saturday morning, uh, it wouldn't shock me. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. Uh, bumping up to 197 for Iowa State, uh, you've got the Cuban, Younger Bastida. Uh, I have season tickets to Iowa State with my dad and uh, one of my dad's cousins. So we've been watching Younger the last uh, handful of well, two years. He's going into his third year. And when you watched him wrestle that first year, it was just very interesting to watch. 
it was like watching him on his feet was amazing. And he looked elite and he looked amazing. And then he'd be forced to go down. It doesn't matter if he was under or on top going in that down position. And it was like watching a middle school wrestler. No idea what he was doing. Uh, he was locking hands. He was, uh, you know, he would get four or five cautions. Uh, it was just a train wreck. Uh, and you, again, kind of that human interest piece you spoke about, uh, you talk about like he had never, ever wrestled a competitive folk style match before he stepped on the mat for Iowa State, ever. Never a folk style. It's all, I mean, he was from Cuba. It's all freestyle down there from the time you're five years old. Freestyle, freestyle, freestyle. And I thought he was amazing to watch on his feet. Uh, and then as you, we watched him grow and learn and understand the rules, he's become a extremely tough out for a lot of people. And I think, again, easy All-American. And I think he wrestles for third uh, come, come Saturday on, in, in March. I think that's a bold call, but I don't think it's one that's very far off base. Uh, he charged onto the scene in the Iowa State duel a year ago when he knocked off Jacob Warner. Jacob went on to make the finals uh, and Younger beat him. And so we know he has the skill level to beat a guy that made the finals. Um, you know, he might not even be in that third place match. He could be wrestling on Saturday night. Uh, that would be exciting for Iowa State. Uh, if they could put two in the finals on Saturday night with David Carr at 65 and Bastida at 197, uh, that would be a winning combination for Kevin Dresser. And that brings up the next discussion. Could you see a team trophy for Iowa State if wrestlers like Younger reach the finals or you get Panero Johnson with a third place, third place finish and Swiderski with a fifth place finish? You know, that's, that's a lot of team points. David Carr, if he wins the national championship, Panero number three, Swiderski number five, Bastida number two. That's a, that's a, a formula for a fourth place finish and knocking off uh, my prediction of Missouri. Yeah, I think, uh, I think if these youngsters uh, perform to the high end of what we think they might be able to do, that uh, you could see Iowa State right there in that trophy title contention, uh, especially if they're getting those bonus points. Right, right. And if somehow Kevin Dresser gets his team ready and they bring home a trophy in March, you're going to see a giant contract extension for him. Uh, they'll lock him up for a long time for a lot of money. So, well, I think that's going to wrap up our team discussion and we're going to move on to why we're doing this podcast this date, Iowa versus Iowa State, uh, Sunday, two o'clock uh, over at Carver Hawk Arena. You and I will be there. And if you look at the history of this matchup, it's been all Iowa. I know you uh, put down some hard numbers. What, what do you got for us there for the, the history of this matchup? The all-time series is Iowa's at 67, 16, and 2. Uh, and that's not just uh, the historical number. Iowa's owned it recently, too. They've won 16 straight, 31 out of 32, and 55 out of 59. Um, the last time Iowa State won was a 1916 win in Iowa City in December of 04. And the last time they won on the road was in Ames when they won 21 to 13 in December of 2003. 
so it's been a very long time since Iowa State has gotten over the hump. They've been close a few times. Uh, but if there's a year they're going to do it, this easily could be the year. Uh, in the 10 weights, there's 18 ranked wrestlers. There are five top 10 matchups. If everybody that's ranked shows up and wrestles on Sunday, if you just go by rankings, Iowa should win this duel eight matches to two. Um, but if there's one thing I've learned growing up in Iowa, when it's Iowa versus Iowa State, the rankings and on paper go out the window and anything can happen. Right. And uh, we, you've mentioned Zach and Stalemate's podcast uh, slash wrestling media uh, that he has going. They did a really, really good video this week about the bad blood that exists between Tom Brands and Kevin Dresser. Uh, obviously, Dresser followed Brands at Virginia Tech when Brands walked away with those five recruits who we all remember. Uh, they called them the VT5, brought those all back to Iowa, which includes Brent Metcalf, who is now on staff at Iowa State. Um, and the bad blood started then, probably. And there were some rumors that Iowa dodged Virginia Tech back in 2018, 2017, something like that. Uh, just because Virginia the Tech national was national duels. Yep. They were, Virginia Tech was not a contender for a, at the tournaments, but their dual team was very good. And uh, so uh, there's some, maybe some side dialogue going on that allowed Iowa to dodge Virginia Tech. And so, and then last year in Ames, I was at this. Uh, wrestling meet at the end of I mean it was a close meet last year uh and at the end of it there's some pushing and shoving and some jaw jacking going on between Terry Brands and the entire Iowa State coaching staff and for those that aren't aware the entire Iowa State coaching staff all won national titles for Iowa Kevin Dresser Brent Metcalf and Derek St. John all national titles for the Hawkeyes um and now they're on the other side of the state wearing, uh, wearing cardinal and gold instead of black and gold. So, uh, of course, there's always the Iowa State history, and it doesn't matter what sport it is. It could be football, basketball, wrestling, gymnastics, field hockey, whatever it is. There's always a rivalry there. But if you ask me, the wrestling rivalry is the hottest, most interesting rivalry just because of the coaching staff and the blood that, bad blood that exists between the two and the history. Absolutely. And even though Iowa has owned the series, like I said, it's been touch and go a number of times. Uh, you know, we've seen surprise heavyweight appearances uh, that oh, were yeah. on the probables uh, because the duel was so close and we needed uh, Big Sam, Sam Stoll to step up and uh, put the duel away for us. Um, and I think we might see something like that this year, depending on what weight they start on Sunday. Um, I'm kind of hoping that they draw and that they end up starting at 133 and we get the mystery of is Spencer going to wrestle uh, saved for the last match of the night? Yeah. Uh, if, if I'm Kevin Dresser, because he gets the choice of if they draw or not, he can either choose to draw or not draw. Am I, I'm correcting that, right? The visiting coach yep. gets the choice. I don't draw. I make them start. I make them start at 125 because I make them run Spencer Lee out there. I think, I think that's the right call if you're Kevin Dresser. You yeah, want to know. Yep, exactly. You don't want to put that pressure on Kyson Tarakina to 
to take the mat. And, and you know, if it's a, you know, whatever, 11, 13, you know, nine, 12 going into the final match and you're expected to wrestle literally the greatest wrestler in college, the greatest wrestler in college wrestling right now, you're asked to wrestle with him. That's uh, that's too tall of a task. And if you start at 125, you let him go out there, you let him wrestle. Yep. He gets tech falled in the first period, but now you've got nine matches to make it up and have your other wrestlers come through and pick Caratina up. Yep. Uh, so, and I think, I think we both think we see Spencer on Sunday. You have to, this, this is too close. And we did our predictions and we'll share them too close of a duel. I mean, that's a, that's an eight point swing at minimum, probably more like a 10 point swing. If you don't run Spencer Lee out there. Yep. Because I mean, Harris hasn't, performed at all hasn't even been able to prevent a bonus point victory now so you go from scoring at least five points maybe six with Spencer Lee to having four or five points scored against you so uh yeah we'll just start at we'll we'll jump off right there 125 uh Spencer Lee versus Kaisen Tarakina as promising as Tarakina looks and he's got some all-americans in his future it's not a conversation if Spencer Lee rolls out there the conversation is is it a first period tech fall or a second period tech fall? That's the only discussion there is. I would throw in, we just saw Tarakina get pinned at the NWCA All-Star Classic. Um, not that Spencer wrestles like Pat McKee, but uh, if McKee can catch Tarakina and put him on his back, so can Spencer Lee, and we might even see a pinfall there. Uh, you could. That, that one bonus point might make the difference in this duel. Right. Uh, if they run out Harris, uh, it's Tarakina with at least a decision. Moving on to 133, we don't know if it's going to be Teske or Shriver. Uh, doesn't matter who it is on the Iowa side, they're going to be wrestling number 15, Zach Redding. Tell me, tell me who you got. Uh, I, I think no matter who we run out there, Iowa will win this. It's going to be uh, a solid, um, you know, eight to eight to three type win, I think, for whoever is out there. Um, as you noted earlier, Shriver seems to have a little more offense than Teske, but I'm not sure he's got enough to push this to a major. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Zach Redding, a very, very solid wrestler. Uh, I don't think he gets majored by Teske or Shriver. Uh, in my notes here, I'm looking, you, you have Teske running out there and I have Shriver running out there. So that's one where we, we differ a little bit, but we both have it down as a decision for Iowa. That would bring the duel. We, we both have Spencer with Tech Fall. And then Iowa with a decision at 33, that brings the dual score to eight, nothing takes us up to 141. Uh, and it looks like neither of us think real woods is going to take the mat on Sunday. Nope. I don't, I, I uh, this day-to-day -day garbage is still getting thrown around out there. So I just, if, uh, I don't think he runs out there, neither do you, um, Drew Bennett, who's been running out there. So far at 141, he's a senior. He's not wrestling. Is he a senior? Am I getting that right? Or am I thinking yep. about? Uh, no, nope, oh yeah, he's, he's a senior. Uh, he hasn't been wrestling terrible, but he's, uh, you know, he, he won't. He, Swiderski will handle him just fine if Bennett has to go out there. But we'll see. Uh, so, yeah, that, we have it as a decision for Swiderski because we don't think Woods is wrestling. So that brings the dual score. Eight for Iowa, three for Iowa State. Brings us to 149, both of our Cinderella pick for the year, kind of, who we're just rooting real hard for. 
It'll be Max Muren for Iowa and then uh, Panero Johnson, who we just spoke about for Iowa State. Uh, we are, we're different on this one. Tell me who you got. We are. Uh, I think Mad Max pulls this out. He just seems like he's got a real fire this year. He's super focused. We saw him on Sunday against Penn. Uh, Doug Zapp and him uh, went, you know, all the way down to the wire to sudden victory. And Max was firing off shots. His defense looked great. Um, and I think just, you know, the level of skill that he's developed over his time at Division One versus uh, the greenness of Panero Johnson, plus throw in a little Carver magic. And uh, I think Max wins this one, but um, Johnson holds it to a decision. And I'm on the flip side of that. I think this is, uh, yeah, as much as I want to believe in Carver, uh, uh, the Carver tax, and Johnson's never had to pay a Carver tax yet. Uh, but I think this is where the Iowa State dual comes to bite Max, uh, and he's on the losing end of this in a, in a regular decision. So it'll be interesting. Uh, moving up to 157, uh, Seabrecht for Iowa, and then Jason Kreiser for Iowa State, who I am not familiar with at all. Um, you have it as a major for Kobe, and I have it as just a regular decision. I said a regular decision just because I don't really know much about Jason Kreiser. I picked a major because Kobe is at 100% bonus rate, and I think he keeps that up. I don't think he's going to keep that up all season, but I think he gets his fifth win and uh, does it with some bonus points that uh, could be super helpful overall. Uh, so that gives – I'm showing the score at this point when we head into the break at 15-3 to 3, Iowa, and you've got it 11-6 to 6, Iowa. Right, and that just shows to go you – uh, one, one match flip-flopping, you know, it's at least a six point swing in this case. And sometimes it's more. All right. After the break, we're going to see Patrick Kennedy, who's ranked number 13 at 165 for Iowa. And then David Carr for Iowa state, who right now is ranked number three. You have it down as Carr majoring Patrick Kennedy. And I have it as a normal decision for Patrick Kennedy. The reason I picked a normal decision, because I think Patrick Kennedy, I mean, He's been wrestling, like I mentioned before, he's been wrestling Alex Marinelli for two years now. Uh, and I just don't think he falls victim uh, to all of David Carr's tools that he has. Um, I think he can keep it to a, a, a regular decision with a, a little bit of staunchy defense. Uh, probably against the, the, for the entertainment value, uh, won't be there because David Carr really can't let it fly. But I think Patrick Kennedy shuts it down to a point, and it's just a decision. You're you're probably more right with what's going to happen. But uh, in my head, I see David Carr super focused in a rivalry duel with a chance to pick up a bonus point, uh, and him snaking an extra takedown or two um, just to try to tighten that team score. And if you're right at 149, and David Carr does get that major. That would actually make it 11 to 10 after that match. Um, so the way we've got this project, project, projected, I've got Carr with a major making it 15 to seven, and you've got Carr with a decision making it 11 to nine. Yeah, uh, it's going to be fun. Just doing these picks got me so excited. I am excited for Sunday and actually looking at the matches and who's going to be wrestling and how it's going to all play out. It's going to be electric and Carver is going to be loud. All right, 174, 
Nelson Brands. Uh, it looks like Iowa State might run a couple of different people out there. Uh, again, I'm not familiar with these folks at 174. I haven't made it up to a meet yet this year, uh, just because of scheduling conflicts. But uh, Gaten and Broderson uh, are so the possible. MJ Gaten was a higher level recruit. He's a true freshman. Um, this might be one of those matches that he gets to wrestle and still keep his red shirt, but they might run him out there to see how he stacks up against Nelson Brands and see if that means maybe he's going to take that spot the rest of the year. Uh, Julian Broderson is a Quad City native. He wrestled at Assumption High School over here, um, and he's been at Iowa State now, I think, three years, uh, and he's wrestled the last couple duels for them at this weight, and I don't know if that's because he's taken the spot or if they're giving the two of them a chance to uh, sort of wrestle off through performance. Either way, right. we, we both think Brands is going to come out on top here uh, with a regular decision. Yep. Uh, yeah. That, if, I'm, pr I'm pretty confident in that decision. Uh, he's going to have another week of wrestling underneath his belt, another week of recovery. Uh, hopefully after his match last weekend, uh, Brands is able to go live a couple more times during the week. His, his conditioning is only going to get better uh, as the season moves forward. So I don't, I don't see a scenario where he loses that. 184, uh, talked about both these wrestlers earlier. Ava Saad for Iowa, ranked number eight. Marcus Coleman for Iowa State, uh, ranked number five. You and I both have it as a regular decision for Marcus Coleman. And I think both of us, this is the, we see Coleman on an upper trajectory and Ava Saad holding steady. Um, and so I think we both just think Coleman is a little bit better. Uh, and I would be surprised if this flipped. If it does, that is true Carver tax that Abe Assad is taking from Marcus Coleman. That would be, yeah, I was just going to say that if Assad somehow sneaks this out, that would be the Carver tax coming alive. Uh, and I'd be all for it, but I don't, I don't think it happens. I, I think Marcus Coleman, it, it's a pretty, it is a normal decision, but it's a, one of those six to two, eight to three type of things. Assad can't get, can't take Marcus Coleman down. Um, uh, so uh, moving on to 197. This, uh, other than seeing Spencer Lee wrestle, I think this is the match I'm most excited for. It's this is absolutely the match of the night. Going to be, uh, obviously, uh, Warner has a chip on his shoulder from last year or, or the year before, last year, the year before, whatever it was when Bastida uh, knocked him off. It was just last year. Yeah. Um, but Bastida is a better wrestler uh, than he was last year when they wrestled. Uh, so we'll see what happens. Uh, go ahead and share what we, we both have the same pick and we did our picks separately. We did uh, these separately and we both selected Bastida. Uh, I've got him winning in a decision in regular time and you've got him winning in tiebreakers. Yep. And I think this is where the, I mean, Bastida's already been, talk, been talked about on the national scene. We both listened to a podcast called FRL. They've talked about Bastida several times and how his trajectory is up and he's only getting better. And he's got the bottom and top figured out finally. And I think uh, when he, he's going to take Warner down in the tiebreakers, he's going to ride, ride Warner out. And that's where everyone's really going to take notice that, okay, he is an elite wrestler on his feet. And now he has the top bottom game to go with it. And so I think uh, younger Bastida knocked him off in the tiebreakers and you're probably going to see a flip in, 
and rankings as well. Bastida is going to fall probably or move up to number three, and uh, Warner is going to fall back to that four five. And if this plays out the way we think it's going to, that means going into the heavyweight match, I've got it 18-13 Iowa, and you've got it 14-15 Iowa State. Yep. Going into heavyweight. Uh, heavyweight, it, at Iowa, it's uh, number four, Tony Cassiope. And then for Iowa State, it's uh, number 10, Sam. I always say his name wrong. Shyler. I want to say Shyler. Yeah, Skyler. It's hard. Skyler. Skyler. What you were going to say something when I was talking about the who's wrestling? Uh, I was just going to say we get Big Daddy Cass coming out here to end the night, um, and it looks like either of us think Iowa State's got a shot. Uh, for me, Skyler would need to pin, and for you, uh, he would just need to win. But I think we both believe Cassiope is in a tier well above Skyler and uh being at home Cassiope is gonna gonna win this and you've got him winning by major decision I do yep I I don't think Skyler can I don't think Skyler can take uh Cassiope down just doesn't happen and I think it's a very workman major decision you know take him down in the first period ride him out choose bottom get your escape Another takedown in the second period, you know, and the third period, he gets an escape, take him down. And by this point, you've broken him. If you grab one more takedown, ride him out, you've got your major decision. Something along those lines. So in conclusion, both of us have Iowa winning the duel. You've got it 18-15 and I've got it 21-13. Uh, one match flips the other way and... Uh, this could be a very, very fun night for Iowa State fans and a very sad night for Iowa fans. Yeah, we would both be very solemn on our drives home. So, all right, we're going to let's wrap this up. We've gone long enough. Thanks for joining me today, Aaron. Uh, thanks to my brother for letting us kind of hijack his podcast. Mentioned it earlier. Uh, try to do this two more times throughout the wrestling season. Uh, and we'll touch on largely the same topics and how the season's progressing for everyone. Anything else you want to add at the very end before we go? No, I think, uh, I think I'm just excited for Sunday and it can't get here soon enough. All right. Sounds good. We'll see you on Sunday, Aaron. Sounds good. See you then. If you want the new Morgan, you asked for koozie delivered to your mailbox, please give us a five-star rating and review on your podcast player. Screenshot the picture of it and email it to me. The email address is morganyouasfourpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening.